I'm Josh Kindler. Welcome to Cents on the Dollar. With the holiday season fast approaching, I thought it could be interesting to discuss a company that has served as an afterthought when discussing holiday sales, but in fact relies heavily on this time of year to produce profit. It's not Amazon, Walmart, or even Apple. It's the world's third largest fast food chain, Starbucks. Year after year, Starbucks has unveiled a long holiday plan that has helped them become as successful as they are. Today, I will be discussing Starbucks's humble beginnings, recent stock performance and administrative changes, their overall business model, and of course, their holiday campaign for 2018. With over 28,000 stores worldwide, Starbucks is the paradigm of success for even the smallest companies all over the world. Started by Howard Schultz in 1983 as Il Giornale Coffee Houses, Starbucks took on its current name after acquiring Starbucks and its six stores in 1987. Since then, Starbucks has experienced incredible growth, with a new store opening every 10 hours on average. The biggest hurdle Starbucks' stock has encountered so far is their massive decline in the beginning of 2006. From May 2006 to November 2008, Starbucks' stock absolutely plummeted, resulting in an 80% reduction in value from $19 a share to, at one point, dipping below the $4 mark. After stepping down as CEO in April 2000, Schultz returned to this position amidst these massive losses. Once reinstated, Starbucks stock rebounded and realized much higher growth. In recent years, however, Starbucks has not been as profitable of an investment since late 2015, the stock has not experienced any lasting gains. There is a lot of speculation as to why this is, but one main theory is the relatively poor sales numbers over that time period. Recently, Wall Street has also been paying much more attention to same-store sales, and Starbucks was not good enough to impress investors. Unfortunately, this may not be the end of the rough patch for the worldwide coffee giant. Former CEO and executive chairman Howard Schultz has left the company for good. As the man whose leadership led them to incredible success, Schultz stepping down may have a profound negative effect on both the success of the business and the stock price. In the midst of this possibly problematic administrative shift, one thing that is looking up for Starbucks is their holiday sales plan. Over the years, the winter holiday season has always been a high point for Starbucks. The coffee giant consistently unveils new drinks, cups, food, and even store decorations in order to promote sales. In Q4 of 2017, Starbucks recorded $22 billion in revenues, the highest they have ever experienced. The reason for Starbucks' holiday success has a lot to do with their overall business plan and target audience. Even though Starbucks was founded as a high-end coffee shop providing quality drinks, its brand image and business plan have completely changed since then. Now, Starbucks is a hub for teenagers, especially teenage girls, and serves as a prime location to meet, talk, and of course, buy drinks. In fact, just from polling teens around me, I found that over 70% have been to Starbucks at least once in the past month. Starbucks has done an incredible job of realizing this shift and encouraging it, creating a brand identity that directly appeals to adolescents. They have done this in three main ways design and marketing of their products, layout and design of their stores, and location of the stores themselves. One could argue that out of all three factors, Starbucks' product design is the most important one. 
One of Starbucks' most iconic drinks in recent years is the Unicorn Frappuccino. Neon pink with swirls of blue, topped with whipped cream and dusted with a pink sugar powder, the Unicorn Frappuccino encompasses everything Starbucks wants their drinks to be like. For starters, it definitely looked the part. In fact, after months of promotions and excitement, it sold out in stores nationwide on the very first day without people even knowing how it tasted. It was the look alone that was responsible for the sale of an estimated one million frappuccinos worldwide. Furthermore, while the Unicorn Frappuccino isn't the only Starbucks drink with a unique look, the main reason for the visual appeal of it was the Instagram-worthy shots it could create. Even Howard Schultz dubbed it Instagrammable. Interestingly, it seems as though, in cases such as the Unicorn Frappuccino, it may not even be the drink itself that causes sales. Teenagers, especially teenage girls, are buying likes and comments on social media. To a heavy Instagram user, it's worth it to buy hundreds of likes, 75 comments, and promote their artsy page for just 375. Finally, the name itself is another point in the Unicorn Frappuccino's direction. Just as the colorful look and Instagrammable pictures helped create an image that appealed to Starbucks' main clientele, the Unicorn name contributed even further. Just imagine, would a 14-year-old girl rather share a picture with her friends of a unicorn frappuccino with pink glittery sugar dust or a mango shake with powdered sugar? The culmination of all these factors led to an absolute barrage of unicorn frappuccino posts. Personally, I think I saw at least 50 of the 250 people I follow on Instagram post about the drink. Searching by a hashtag for unicorn frappuccino, a way to filter posts based on the content, yields over 150,000 posts on Instagram alone, and that figure is completely ignoring the millions of pictures posted on Snapchat. The immense success of just one of their hundreds of drinks shed significant light on how important Starbucks' product line is to their overall success. Another critical aspect to Starbucks' business plan is the design and layout of their stores. Starbucks doesn't create their stores anything like other coffee shops, especially not like its biggest competitor, Dunkin' Donuts. Starbucks constructs their stores not as places to facilitate transactions, but as places to foster experiences. It is more accurate to see Starbucks locations as hangouts or lounges more than actual stores. This is evident in a number of things one could see just from looking at their local store. Firstly, most Starbucks locations are just simply big. However, it is the efficient use of space that does such a good job of attracting customers. The large amount of space inside each store is used as a place for customers to simply relax and socialize. Chairs, tables, couches, ottomans, and charging ports are all provided to ensure that the customer experience is as good as it could get. Similar from last episode to Heidelau. For Starbucks, the main challenge is finding the right balance between not making the lounge area feel too crowded and making sure that all customers have somewhere to sit if they so choose. Another way Starbucks promotes a positive experience, as well as a feeling of status, is through the materials and color scheme of the stores. All across the world, Starbucks locations have a theme of wooden interiors complemented with brown, beige, and green furniture, banners, and accessories. Finally, Starbucks also constructs their stores in such a way that stores are similar to one another, but not too similar. Starbucks has done an excellent job of making their stores feel comfortable, but not repetitive. That mantra is the key for Starbucks. 
Each store has the same color scheme and wooden feel, as well as a similar lounge area, but is laid out in a different way. This ensures that customers feel a sense of comfort upon walking into a new Starbucks, but are not bored or uninterested by experiencing the exact same layout as the one they're used to. And finally, the last key to Starbucks success is the location of the stores themselves. The main way Starbucks is able to use their geographic location to their advantage is by placing their stores near schools. This is critically important to their business model, as it is one of the prime ways it attracts teens to buy products at Starbucks. Speaking from my own personal experience, almost every time my friends and I want to do something after school, we'll go to Starbucks, or at least make a stop at Starbucks along the way. This is because it's merely a five-minute walk from my school, and once we're inside, the lounge layout and product line keep us not only there, but coming back. This holiday season, Starbucks is hoping to do the same thing, draw in their teenage audience with an enticing product line and ease of access, and keep them there with the luxurious store design. Starbucks has unveiled an entire slate of drinks featured only during the holiday season. Some are year-after-year -year favorites, including the gingerbread and peppermint lattes. Of course, Starbucks has also delivered some new beverages, including the chocolate swirl brioche, the pistachio honey croissant, the sugar plum cheese danish, and penguin cake pop. To me, these drinks and snacks, especially the new ones, all have names that do more than just describe the ingredients or taste. The names invoke some sort of feeling of holiday cheer, status, and excitement, all meant to apply to teens. Penguin itself screams goofy and quirky, two qualities teenage girls often aspire to be like on social media. By creating the dessert in the style of such a funky animal, adolescent customers often feel that they themselves have adopted these qualities. Similar to the way advertising works, without the buyer even knowing it, they are much more likely to walk into Starbucks again after experiencing this phenomenon, as their subconscious will enjoy the feeling of achieving a desired quality and guide them back to another penguin cake pop. Furthermore, by creating a cake pop itself, as opposed to a traditional slice of cake, munchkin-like product, or even a cake kebab, Starbucks again is able to effectively appeal to their clientele. A cake slice is not portable and doesn't fit that in-and-out flow of teenagers moving through Starbucks. It prevents them from quickly moving to go somewhere else. A munchkin is too dirty and messy. It doesn't provide customers with the same feeling of status while eating it that a cake pop does. An interesting side note to mention, however, is Dunkin' Donuts' exact use of such a product. Because they don't strive to create an experience anywhere near Starbucks's, a munchkin is a perfect product. Cheap, tasty, and bite-sized. Exactly what a stressed-out father or commuting businesswoman could use. And finally, Returning to Starbucks, a cake kebab is simply too over the top. It isn't simplistic enough to meet the harsh demands of social media minimalism. A cake pop, on the other hand, meets all of the qualifications that the prior options fail to. It is quick to eat, makes no outfit-ruining mess, and helps create an Instagram-worthy image due to its simplistic and minimalistic look. Simply the length of my analysis demonstrates the immense amount of thought Starbucks puts into the nomenclature. It is, in fact, one of the absolute keys to bring teenagers, especially teenage girls, into their locations, and therefore, their entire success as a business. The same level of scrutiny can be applied to the names of many, many other Starbucks beverages, and it really does show where and why the coffee giant has excelled over the years, their incredible marketing. It's unclear whether or not Starbucks 2018 holiday push will be successful, especially after following up a relatively disappointing campaign in 2017. One thing is for sure, if they are to succeed, 
it will be using the same keys of business that Howard Schultz and Starbucks have employed for years. An enticing product line, positive store experience, and geographical proximity to draw in customers. That's it for today's episode of Cents on the Dollar. Thanks for listening.